Hey there. My name is Aubrey Henderson. I'm a self-worth coach and professional calm in the chaos. I believe that when you're feeling stuck in your life and you can't decide on the next right step, that getting some perspective or a pep talk from someone outside of your shoes can be an absolute game changer. This podcast is that pep talk. Every week, I'll share my responses to listener questions, real life coaching sessions, and interviews about topics that you can connect with and learn from. All things that will help you to reconnect with your own self-worth and inner goodness and vision for your life so you can feel great and get shit done. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Hey there, it's me, Aubrey. Do you like what you hear on the Ask Aubrey podcast and find yourself thinking about what it would be like to work with me directly, for me to weigh in on the things you're going through and help to support you through it on a path toward growth and wellness and self-worth? Well, you can hire me as your coach. I'm a certified life coach specializing in self-worth for women and queer people. I have a few slots open for life coaching clients in the new year. And I offer a totally free consultation, including a sample coaching session, so you can see what coaching is like and decide if it's right for you at no cost. If you're interested or even just curious, you can sign up for your free sample session at my website. That's aubreyhenderson.com. Let's talk. I can't wait to support you as you grow towards your goals and into your best and most gorgeous self. Hey babes, so for this episode, I am so excited to bring you not a listener question and not a coaching session like previous episodes, but an interview. So I am sharing with you today a conversation that I had with my dear friend, colleague, and fellow life coach, Sharice Williams. Sharice is a leadership coach and a yoga teacher, and she helps individuals and teams to harness their strengths so that they can achieve their goals and flourish. And y'all, we had an awesome conversation. We talked about all kinds of stuff in this conversation. At one point, I almost forgot that we were even recording a podcast interview. Um, You know, we talk about mindfulness, body image, this idea of what it means to be enough. Um, It's just, it's a really great conversation and I hope you find some value from it. Um, Please also check out Sharice on Instagram. You can find her um, on Instagram, you can also find her on LinkedIn, on Facebook, um, just by sh- uh, searching Sharice Williams. I'll link that in the podcast description, and then you can also hear her talk about it a little bit in the last few minutes of the episode. Um, but keep listening, and I really hope you enjoy and find some value. And if you do, um, go ahead and take a screenshot of yourself listening and share it on Instagram and tag me at Aubrey, that's A four H's B R E E. And then um, you should tag Sharice as well. All right, babes, enjoy. Hi, Sharice. It's so good to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Aubrey. It's so good to be here. Um, so I, you know, I, I know you. We've known each other for a while. But, um, you know, for the folks who are listening, um, who, you know, haven't met you before, haven't heard from you before, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about what you do? 
Yeah, and actually, um, I'm really excited for this opportunity because my whole life and career have changed a whole lot yeah. in the last few months. Um, I spent 25 years in the nonprofit sector working in organizations focused on social justice, everything from human rights, criminal justice reform, and most recently education, which is how we know one another. Yeah. Um, but as of September 23rd, I launched, relaunched my business, and I am a yoga teacher and a leadership coach who helps folks harness their strengths so they can achieve their goals and flourish. And at the heart of everything I do, whether it's on the yoga mat and a one-on-one -on -one coaching session or a board retreat, mindfulness is very much at the center of everything that I do. That is so awesome. And, you know, I know from our work together, we, you know, work together at a nonprofit, but always you kind of brought this mindfulness, you know, yogi background into everything that you did from, you know, whether we were on a team retreat and you, you know, led us through a group yoga session or, you know, started off a meeting with like a mindfulness activity. Um, it was always interesting to me how you were able to kind of infuse that even when we were in like very much, you know, like the standard nonprofit setting. Um, and so, you know, just like would love to hear a little bit more about your journey of how you decided to fuse those two things together in kind of this idea of like both being a yoga teacher, a mindfulness leadership coach, you know, um, yeah. What was that journey like to bring all of those things together? How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'll, I'll see how it all came together by talking about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I took my first yoga class when I was, 18 which is 30 years ago which is crazy to think about yeah um, i loved my first yoga teacher a lot like i always felt very relaxed and calm in class i knew it was really good for me but it took you know fast forwarding a whole lot of years um when i moved to atlanta 12 years ago and i was really stressed being kind of the ed of a startup branch of a nonprofit here that I said, I need to get to a yoga class right away. And that's where I found my Atlanta yoga home. And that's where I did my yoga teacher training in 2015. And it wasn't until I did yoga teacher training that I really established a regular at-home practice. And it was then that I under really understood the benefits of yoga and mindfulness in my life outside of yoga class. Um, there's a great expression that says, you don't do yoga to get better at yoga. You do yoga to get better at life. And so, <laughs> that's juicy, right? So it, took a, it just took a lot of practice to figure out how to use yoga to get better at life. And the impact of doing that just started to become more and more of who I was. And so as my career continued to unfold, at the organizations that I was working for, I, I'm, I'm grateful to say that I have worked for organizations whose missions I have been in love with every single time, um, whose impact I felt really proud of. Um, and I think that I started to see the impact I was having on the individuals that I worked with and the feedback that I was getting about 
how I supported them and how I coached them. And then I've had my own coach. I've probably had four different coaches over the course of my life and career, um, starting maybe eight years ago. And so that started planting the coaching seed in my head. And so, I don't know, about a year ago, I decided that I wanted to explore the path of being a coach, but I didn't want for my life as a yoga teacher to be over here and my coaching work to be over here. Um, I just really want to bring the sensibilities of a, of a yogi to my work as a coach. And I've been in full time for just two months now, but it's been amazing so far. That's so awesome. Um, I would love to hear just thinking about in your coaching, you know, the, the types of clients that you work with or the people that you work with. Um, and this can be whether it's in your coaching or, you know, in your practice as a yoga instructor, but what would you say is the main thing that your clients struggle with that you help them with? Yep. It's being stressed and overwhelmed. It's so interesting. I mean, coaches, you know, we work with folks to, to talk about where they are now, where, they're, where they want to be, what's getting in the way. We strategize with action steps, right? We help them remove roadblocks. And I feel like my clients, we come out of conversations with them feeling like they actually need to do less. <laughs> Not Wow. Yeah. yeah. Not more, right? So, yeah. I mean, I'm still really um, refining my, I'm still refining my niche as a coach. And I, I was spinning around in my head about it a lot. And my teacher said, don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Just keep coaching and see who's attracted to you. And what's so interesting is that People are attracted to you, like attracts like, right? So I tend to attract ambitious, high achieving women who are over 40, <laughs> you know, because that's what they, that's who they see in front of them. And um, they typically just want to figure out how they can do more and accomplish more. And it's driving them nuts and they're not having a good time in the process. And yeah. I try to help them with that. That's awesome. And it's, I think it's just so, I'm, you know, folks can't see me as they're listening to the podcast, but I'm like nodding aggressively as you're saying some of this stuff because I just connect with that so much. I think about this like, like attracts like yeah. um, philosophy around, you know, like which clients are drawn to which coaches. And I mean, like, you know, this, Therese, but I, you know, particularly coach um, younger women and queer people around yeah. things like self-worth and how, you know, self-worth is, is blocking folks from productivity and like accomplishing the things that they want to get done. And so, um, it was, it was interesting how some of that came through, you know, initially I started out with clients coaching mostly around productivity and organization, like to helping people get their shit together. Um, and so, as I was working with folks and like started actually coaching them and I've shared this with you and I've shared this with some folks who are listening, but like what actually was underneath that for people was often this idea of self-worth and, you know, so it's, it's interesting how, you know, 
actually working with folks can help you to kind of determine what it really is that you're going to be coaching them on. And you can start from one entry point, but you know, like as human beings, there are just so many layers to what people are experiencing at all times. And so it's fascinating to me that like, what you're saying is like the, uh, the women that you're working with will come to you with this, like, I want to be able to do more and achieve more. And I'm like looking for more out of life. And like, actually what you're saying is what they, what they're able to uncover is that they may actually need to do less or want to do less. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And I, I, I love that you pointed out the similarity in our paths and the like attracts like, that's why the world needs us coaching, right? Period. Absolutely. People are are looking to find their people. And we are such a diverse group of people. And being coached, being taught by someone who shares similar kind of intersectional identities and paths and have their own stories to bring to the coaching experience helps so much. Um, But yeah, you're so right. The whole idea of self-worth, I think it's at the heart of everything, isn't it? I would say so. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like really can be the lens that you, that you see the world through. Mm-hmm. And especially that you see your, I mean, the way you see yourself and the way that you experience yourself is going to impact everything you do as you move through the world. So yeah. I do think it, it absolutely impacts everything. And I think too, it, I mean, I'm really interested in, and you know this, I'm interested in this idea of you know, when people want to achieve more and accomplish more and like, you know, you and I both as like people who are like high achievers, both like in the standards we hold for ourselves and also like how, you know, externally we would be regarded by people is that we're kind of always chasing goals, always want to like try the next thing or achieve the next thing. And how much of that is like, we, we think, you know, we're, we're setting out to achieve more, like, meet our goals when really underneath it, it's like, we're, we're kind of like feeling like we have to hustle for the, the self-worth in that Absolutely. way and that we're having to like prove, prove ourselves as worthy by meeting all of these different accomplishments. And I think this can be true across genders, but I think this is really, I hear this a ton from women is having to demonstrate your self-worth, whether it's through, you know, being a good partner or being a good mother or, you know, being kick-ass at work or being all of those things all at once and holding yourself to an extraordinarily high standard. And so I think um, that's why I'm like, I'm very interested in this, you know, population of, um, of clients that you work with, that there's this kind of, I really want to do more, really want to do more. And that leads to like such burnout and, and stress and overwhelm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. You just said so much that, that resonated with me. One, Um, I recommended this book called Enough to a client, and I love that book so much. I opened it in the bookstore, and I think the first line said, how often do you lay your head on your pillow at night, exhale, and say, today I have done enough? I was like, never. Oh, my God. Never in my life. Never. Right. So I bought the book, and basically, after reading the whole book, the moral of the story was, Sometimes we don't feel like we can, we can ever do enough because we just don't feel like we are enough. That's it. <laughs> wow. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It's a really great book. 
Um, and then you made me think of another thing, which is I have a business coach. Um, her name is Lori Palco. She's amazing. And I met her in the context of a yoga teacher mentorship. And she did this exercise with us around uncovering your personal lie. Like what is the lie that about yourself that is underneath everything? And I can't remember, she read a bunch of statements and asked us which one resonated with us the most. And then once we uncovered that personal lie, we had to then kind of journal, like write down um, our personal truth as a mantra day after day after day. And mine ended up being, I am worthy because I exist. Ooh. <laughs> that like, ooh, I just have like an instant reaction to that. Also, I love this idea of uncovering your personal lie. Like I'm like, let me go look her up right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of interesting things. Like, I am not smart. I am not beautiful. Something is wrong with me. It was this, this whole series of things. And the exercise, I mean, it had us all in tears. And it is, it was very powerful. I, I wrote my personal truth over and over again for a good couple months. And it, it, it really made a difference. Wow. Oh my God. I just think that that's like, and what that makes me think of is something that isn't necessarily in a coaching context, but for a group that I'm a part of, I um, led a, a discussion about the Enneagram, which I don't know if you and I have ever talked to Enneagram, Sharice, but. No, but you know what? I've never done it, but I've heard so much about it. Oh, so it's, so I love it. It's just, you know, it's another tool for, you know, kind of self-awareness, self-discovery. And like some people treat it like, you know, is different people have different approaches to it. And for some people, it's kind of like a cheeky, like humorous thing, kind of like astrology, like, oh, that's such a typical type three thing to say or like whatever. But it's, if you go really deep into it and really study it, there are lots of ways that you can, you know, it, it helps to identify kind of paths for growth. It's not, you know, it's not all about like, this is why, like I'm a type two. So it's not like, this is why a type two is great and you should be happy that you're two. It's like, here are some strengths and like natural you know, qualities of a type two. And then here are some areas that might be blind spots for you where you might have room to grow. And like underneath all of that, which is why I love the Enneagram is this idea of, um, you know, there's like a basic fear for every type mm. and there is a basic desire for every type. And so if I'm talking about me as an example, the basic fear of the type two is I am unlovable. Mm. And like, I'm unworthy of being loved. I'm unlovable. And the basic desire of a type two is just is to be lovable, to be loved and worthy of love and experience love. And so I think that's like what feels compelling to me is like there's, because I really, I mean, I really do subscribe to that idea that everybody has kind of these. And I usually the language I use is like these stories we tell ourselves yeah, about you know, who we are, what we deserve, what is true about us. And, you know, on that same day that I um, was leading that discussion, um, a friend of mine who was also leading part of the discussion had us do this exercise where we wrote down one word that described us on a piece of paper, like on a post-it. And then, so we all kind of went around and read our word and different people had different things. And then, um, he had us think about then like we didn't write this part down but he had us think about what's one word that has been used 
to describe you by somebody else that you were hurt by, that you disagreed with. And like for a lot of people, talking to people in that room, it was like a childhood example. It was like something that had stuck with them. And like for some people, it was like it was a twisted version of the quality that they used to describe themselves. So like mine was my word I wrote on my post, it was confident. Like that's the word I would use to describe me. And then when I did the exercise of thinking about what somebody else said about me that was hurt that hurt me or that I disagreed with, it was bossy. Ah, and so it's, I mean, it's also interesting how there are things that can be, you know, the ways that those truths can be there, but they've been twisted around by somebody else, or they're like a contorted version, like the way we see ourselves is like a contorted version of something that someone else said, and maybe they don't even remember saying it to you. Yeah. But it still holds so much power later in your life. And that's just like how those conversations can be so formative is fascinating to me. And so all of that, that's a long way of me saying, I love this idea of like, what's your personal lie? I need to like look into this because I'm going to, this is going to be my thing. I like think about all week. (laughs) Well, I love that. And also when I think about people calling you bossy, it just takes me right back to, you know, how women leaders are called bossy. That's right. And it is a, we typically accept that leadership is great, but not when you're a woman, right? And not when you're a young woman and you are stepping into your leadership early. That's right. Yeah. So it's so funny. So I'm now I'm thinking about um, another thing that I'm in love with right now, which is um, Danielle Laporte's desire map love it love it me too we learned about that in our coaching training and I cannot wait to focus on my core desired feelings as I do my kind of planning and goal setting for 2020 so for those who aren't familiar the idea is that everything that we want whether it's like a new purse or our next degree or a relationship the thing is kind of a proxy for how we want to feel when we get that thing. Confident, accomplished, lovable, whatever. And so Danielle Laporte's thing is start with what are the, your core desired feelings? What do you most want to feel? And then create your goals around that. And as you were talking earlier, it made me think about that and and how I'm really excited to explore that. Because what happens is when we start with the thing, a lot of times we achieve those things and then we're disappointed because it doesn't feel like how we thought we were going to Yes. It's like what they call hedonic treadmill, like just chasing pleasure as opposed to, you know, you want to feel alive and free you know maybe the the fast um you know what do you call it the cars with no top convertible convertible i was having a total brain fart (laughs) maybe maybe a hike would give you that feeling more than a convertible it'll be way less expensive and you could do it as much as you want right Oh my gosh. And I, I'm so glad you brought that up. I love, so I love Danielle Laporte, period. Love her. And um, I mean, I think that like 
that was like a real game changer for me personally to think about my life in that way and to think about kind of the, this concept of core desired feelings and like what I want to feel. And I think for somebody who is so, and I imagine for your kind of your client demographic that you're working with, like this idea of how do you want to feel, not like, what do you want to accomplish? Who do you want to be? Like, you know, those are the questions we're used to hearing. Like, you know, what's your next career goal you're trying to achieve? What's your fitness goal you're trying to achieve? And reframing that as, well, what are, what do you want to feel? Yeah. And that question, I mean, and I've asked that question in my coaching and it stops people in their tracks because people are like, wow, I don't, I don't know. Hold on. I would need to think about that for a minute because it's, we're not used to it. Yeah. So I had a client, you're, you're so right. Um, She is trying to get back into her health and fitness routine and she has a goal of running a 5k. So we talked about that and, um, and I can't remember how the conversation led there, but it was right after I started reading about the desire map. And I asked her how she wanted to feel as a result of running the 5k. And she could not come up with the feelings. So then I led her through a visualization in the moment. I had her imagining that her training was complete, starting the race, feeling good, you know, moving through mile one, mile two, approaching the finish line. Her friends and family and loved ones are there waiting for her. She crosses the finish line. How does she feel? And immediately she was like, confident alive and accomplished wow and the whole thing about poor desired feelings is that great if the 5k is is that if that's how you want to feel and a 5k is going to help you feel that fantastic let's pursue those 5k goals but are there things that can help you feel confident alive and accomplished today are there things that you've already done things that you already are that can help you feel confident, alive, and accomplished today. So you're not hanging it on that 5K sometime in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's not, you know, I will, it's exactly like you're saying, I will feel confident when this. It's like we're not, because I think that's so often we put we like put prerequisites on, you know, when we get to feel good or when we get to feel worthy or when we get to feel enough is that like, okay, well I'll like, I'll feel worthy of a relationship when I lose this weight or I will feel worthy of, you know, a job that I love when I, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever the case may be. And we like put these kind of goals in front of as prerequisites for the feelings that we want to feel. And so I think that's so powerful, this idea of like, okay, like the, like pursuing the 5k is great. And if we are doing it, cause we feel like we're going to, it's going to lead us to your core desired feelings. Like that's wonderful. But also what are things you can be doing now? And what are things you're doing now that are blocking you from the feeling that way? <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad that you brought up, um, weight explicitly because I think that that was one of the things that my client was dealing with like I will deserve my own love once I complete a 5k and you taught you asked me about my um 
clients, so I talked a little bit about coaching clients, but I have a lot of women coming to my yoga classes who are 40, 45, 50, and 60. And I've taught yoga, I've been lucky enough to teach yoga in the context of retreats where people really, really did not think they could do yoga, were afraid of doing yoga, didn't want to be doing yoga, were encouraged to attend because we were all together. And I've, I've taught women in, you know, some on the mat and some in chairs because, you know, depending on knees and other mobility issues, getting up and down off the yoga mat can be the hardest thing. And one of the things that women told, would tell me after class was like, wow, I feel so strong, so capable. All these feelings were evoked by just moving their bodies in ways that were gentle, um, accessible, and compassionate. And I think that we associate, like we have to be punishing to our bodies in some kind of way, or like run marathons or lift so much weight or exercise for whatever it is in order to have these feelings. And again, to feel worthy of our own love. And yes, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to me. And it's not like I don't suffer from this myself. That's why I'm drawn to doing this work. Absolutely. Oh, and I'm, yeah, I'm glad you shared that. I think it's, and especially now, I mean, around the holidays too, like, I feel like this comes into visibility so much. And like, I've seen folks share, sharing things that are, and it's, it's really interesting to see even in my own kind of sphere of the folks that I follow and engage with on social media or like who I interact with day to day that there's, I, I see folks kind of taking an, um, an intentional position against this idea of like, like I saw a lot of people posting yesterday, like you deserve to eat today, no matter how much you ate yesterday. Or like, you know, you don't need to punish yourself with a workout that is like too much today. Um, and like, no matter what you do, like you are still, like you still deserve to eat and to like be a person. And then you also see the people who are like sharing, you know, here somebody shared like a New York sports club um, a screenshot of something that New York Sports Club shared in their story that was like each like Thanksgiving food and then the corresponding workout you needed to do to burn it off. Oh yeah. And it's Ooh. I saw one person in my story share it like in earnest, like, hey everyone, just FYI, just so you, for your workout today. And then somebody else shared it and was like, Are you fucking kidding me? Like this is unhealthy. This is ridiculous. Like why can't we just enjoy a goddamn holiday? <laughs> and like so it just, but it's, it's why it truly is wild. And that this is like a pervasive kind of narrative for people. This idea that like, you have to, you have to earn your worthiness and, you know, earn the right to deserve, to enjoy a holiday that involves food or to, yeah. you know, that you have to be pursuing that like when people are pursuing an exercise goal, that it has to be for a weight loss or right. like a fitness goal has to be to make yourself physically smaller. Like that is just, yeah. it's, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to see. And I can, I can imagine, yeah, that in a, you know, yoga setting that that's, I, I just also imagine like there's the, with yoga, there's like the fitness and like physical body component to it. But like, you know, at least in my experience, like yoga also has like a more kind of spiritual, like self-love, self-acceptance self, self -acceptance kind of element. So like, 
I'd be curious if, like, if you see that kind of contrast or tension there for people too. Well, absolutely. But what you're bringing up is like the trend. I think the growth and explosion in, in the yoga industry is very much treating yoga like CrossFit or HIT or whatever. It, it's, yeah. it's about sweating. It's about grunting and groaning. I've, I've been to those classes where nothing about self-love or mindfulness or breathing or self-acceptance is is really being shared and so it's it's really um I, I i you know i'm not one of those purists whatever floats your boat you know whatever makes you feel good i think there's sure. just a missed opportunity um when yoga classes when, when people pursue yoga and don't get the benefits of feeling uh, of being having that message they can re like love themselves and accept themselves as they are right now just because they are human period yeah uh, and that's i mean even just that it makes me so sad that that's such a radical statement but it is <laughs> right right this, uh, this notion of just like you are a person and so you deserve to like feel good and be happy and exist. Yeah. yeah Period. It's so but you know, I think that one of the things that it's so hard. I think that one of the reasons that we're in the business that we're in is because once you've spent 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life thinking a certain set of things, you have to spend a lot of time and energy and you have to practice thinking other things. And I think it's an opportunity. It's, it sometimes feels a little disheartening or sad or hard, but I think the fact that we have the opportunity and that we know we can think differently and that we use every tool in our tool chest to do so, reading, classes, coaches, yoga, meditation, whatever it is, um, that excites me. And that's, that's what brings me to this work. I, I love the expression that change happens on the other side of awareness. The moment you wake yeah. up, like, okay, I'm aware of a certain state of being or thinking, and I want to feel differently, then, you know, a lot opens up for you. That's so awesome. And I think, I mean, I think that's so true. I think the initial, and I was just literally just saying this to a client yesterday who, you know, we're like, we were kind of in a moment of, you know, uncovering some of that, some of the like, back to the concept of personal lie, like some of the stuff that for this client was really deep rooted and like, you know, had been ingrained for a long time. And, you know, my words of encouragement to this person were like, listen, like you are aware this shit is happening. Like mm -hmm. there are so many folks who are not yet to that place of awareness and who are experiencing the pain of this, but with none of the understanding of where that pain is coming from. And yeah. so to be in a space where you're able to be aware is like, in many ways is the more painful moment before you are able to move into the tools to kind of adjust it or change that mindset or kind of address some of those patterns and those ways of thinking. But you know, that awareness is a step toward healing for a lot Absolutely. of people. And so I think that's, you know, for anyone who is listening, who, you know, 
is in that painful space. I think that's, that's a really powerful concept. This idea that like on the other side of awareness is where you can, you can find a lot of this relief, a lot of this like self understanding and self compassion. Um, because when we're not, when we're not aware of the stuff that's going on, we're still feeling a lot of the pain of it, but without any of the ability or power to address it in any meaningful way. And so, you know, it keeps us stuck in that, in that hurt and in those patterns that are keeping us from where we want to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, it's been interesting talking to people about what I'm doing now and depending on people's kind of work culture or life experiences or whatever, there are different levels of understanding of what a coach is and what coaches do. Um, and you know, there's about, there's exposure, access, all these things, right? And, and so I had someone ask me straight up, and I was so happy that she asked this after I took my first stab at explaining what I do. And she's like, but I don't quite understand why people pay for that. Or, you know, like the, she said something about the cost of that. And I asked her, and she had talked to me about a whole bunch of issues that she was facing and she was lonely and isolated and really suffering. And I just asked her, what's the cost of not investing in something? that you haven't tried already to change. (laughs) And there was a long silence and then she got it. And I wasn't trying to sell her my coaching services or, you know, you, there are a lot of things. And I think this whole idea, this goes back to worthiness, the whole idea that we're worthy of number one, that it's okay if we can't figure it out, out by ourselves. And number two, we're worthy of our investment of time, energy, and money. Whether it's yoga classes, massage days, facial coaching, retreats. I, I think sometimes worthiness comes down to like, am, can I spend this, not comes down to, but can, should I be spending this money on myself for something that I need? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's, it can be so much tied up in that for people. Um, because, you know, money just and is another topic that is fraught with so many, you know, so many different, different layers for people. And so, but I mean, I think that is such a good point. Like, what is the cost of, of not investing in yourself in some way, right? Whether that's time to like, read a book that you get from the library, whether that's money, to invest in a coach or in a massage or in, you know, a yoga class or things like that. I think it's, um, I think that's really, and that's also something that when somebody's struggling with self-worth, like you're saying, can be a really revolutionary concept because it's actually forcing people to put a, a dollar amount on the, what it is worth to them to care for themselves. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I was in this, um, a mentorship program and that whole idea most of the women in our circle really struggled with that and I was like I've mastered that I don't know if it's my only child (laughs) (laughs) unpartnered live by myself most of my life but I'm really good at the self-care taking time for myself 
you know, going on retreats, like all that kind of stuff. I just, I mean, I don't know when I learned that it was just essential for my well-being. So I'll, I'll spend time overall that on that kind of stuff, you know, any day before I buy something new or I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, I think it's thinking about too, like, and I think about this now more as a business owner, but I think there's, there are ways to think about this, you know, in any role in your life is like to think about yourself as kind of like the asset in many ways. Like I think when I, you know, for you and I as coaches, like in our business, like we are the asset because we like, we are what's providing the service. We are kind of doing the marketing, like all of this stuff, like it's us. And so when you're doing things to invest in your own learning, in your own skill building, like you're investing in like the main asset of the business, but that's not just a business concept, right? It's this idea that like you are the asset in your life. Yeah. Like if you're not taking care of the asset, how can you be, how can you show up as a great, you know, leader in your job or how can you show up as a great partner in your relationship or how can you show up as a great friend um, or a great parent or in any of the roles that you're in if you're if you're not investing in because like you as a person and your mental health and your you know relational well-being like all of those things are things to be invested in if you are if you are wanting to invest in your life period and in the way that you show up in your life so viewing yourself as as an asset in that way to be invested in and I think I think too like we have such different standards and this goes across the board, but we often have such different standards for how we think about ourselves and what we deserve versus a friend sure. or someone we love or care about. So like, you know, I often, like I talk to people and again, this is largely women, but a lot of the people I talk to in my coaching practice, there's this idea that like, you know, they'll have this kind of self-talk or, you know, self-concept that is like very, like can be very nasty. People say like nasty things about themselves in, you know, their, when they're speaking to like their inner critic, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you stop to think about like somebody will say something, well, I don't deserve that. Like, who am I to like take a break, like take a day off of work? And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, so I'm going to pause you there for a second. Like, now what if your best friend said that to you? What if your best friend said to you, who am I to take a day off of work? And nine times out of 10, people are like, oh my God, I would be like, well, of course you do. Like just be, everyone deserves to take time. Like you earned that time. Yeah. To which the response is like, okay, okay. So you're able to extend that compassion to someone else. Like, let's stop and think about why you can't do that for yourself. Yeah. Um, and it all comes back to this. It all, like you said, at the beginning of our conversation, it all comes back to self-worth. Absolutely. It all comes back to like what you're willing to believe that you deserve. Yeah. And that's tough. It's a, it's a tough hurdle, but you know, good news is that there are, there are folks out there whose whole life calling is to help you figure that shit out. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so something I would love uh, for you to share, Sharice, is, you know, for the folks listening, um, if they could incorporate just like one single regular mindfulness or wellness practice into their day, just like one thing that they could add in or change to kind of have the highest impact or make the biggest difference in their life, um, what would it be? What would you recommend? 
I would recommend a daily gratitude practice. That's something I do every single day. And I just want to define mindfulness really quickly because a lot of people think it's synonymous with meditation. It's just a state of bringing acute awareness to the present moment, period. You could be mindful washing the dishes, walking the dog, washing your hair. But gratitude, I write down a number of things that I'm grateful for every single day and why I'm grateful for them. Again, I'm trying to evoke the feelings associated with it. And it just sets um, a really good tone for my day. And I know that the next day, no matter how I feel about the day as it progresses, the next day, I'm going to find some things to be grateful for for the previous day. That's so awesome. And that's something that I... I also, have, I've only recently started doing this, but I have started doing something similar and it's like, and I feel like when I started doing it, I was like, Ugh, like everyone says like, oh, you know, have a gratitude practice, like whatever. And you know, I'm also like, and you, you know me well. So like, I'm somebody who's like, I want to like really spend my time in a high impact way and like get shit done and whatever. And so I was like, you know what? Like maybe I need to infuse some gratitude in my life. Okay. Like I'll try this, whatever. But it really does make such a difference, doesn't it? It like changes the whole frame that you that you see life through. Like I've um, I posted about this on Instagram like a month or two ago. But I even just like literally a couple of days in, and I'm using this um, this gratitude journal. It's called the Start Today Journal. It's um, the it's Rachel Hollis's company that makes them. Um, and I was sucked in because they're really pretty journals aesthetically. Uh, but then like it's this idea that every day you have to write a number of things that you're grateful for, but they have to be very specific and from the last 24 hours, like since the last time you journaled. Mm. So I was starting out and writing things like, I'm grateful for my kids, my wife, my home, my job, and um, nice weather. And then I like actually more deeply like read the instructions and like she has a podcast. And so she was like, everyone who's like using the journal, like remember, like I see you all posting and you can't be putting stuff like your kids or your spouse or your job because it's too general. Like you need something more specific. Yeah. And because the power in that is that you are spending your day looking for things to be grateful for because you know, and like, I think that's what you're saying too, is like with the practice of doing it every day is that you're actively seeking out things that you're, you're on the lookout for those things because you're going to have to journal about them. And I think like, I also am somebody who like wants to be good at gratitude journaling. I'm using air quotes because there is no being good at a gratitude practice, but I, um, so I like, I'm on the lookout for the things. Cause I'm like, I want to have my five things I'm grateful for. And if I don't, I like haven't completed my homework, which I have, I clearly have some work to do on <laughs> self-compassion. You help me evolve my practice, Aubrey, I must say, because while I know they're supposed to be specific, I do find myself repeating some general things. So now I'm going to try to make it something specific to the last 24 hours. I can see the benefit of that. So I'm going to give it a try. Thank you, my friend. Oh my gosh, yes. And please let me know what you think. It's like, I mean, it, it really causes me to literally like, because the, the first day I, I did it and I made that switch, it was really hard. Yeah. And I then into the, like, so throughout the rest of the day after I did that journaling, I was like, oh, like I had the, you know, like, um, my kid gave me a really, really great, like an exceptionally great hug that day when I dropped her mm. off at school or like, 
I went and had coffee with a friend and we talked about the Enneagram and he like gave me some interesting new insights. And so like, I, you know, it was, but I was looking for it and I yeah. that just made, I made such a difference. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, and then, so one more question for you, and this is one I've been asking people. I've used this as like a meeting icebreaker for a couple of weeks now and people's answers are fascinating to me. So I wanted to ask you this cause I'm curious what you would say. So imagine that starting tomorrow, instead of having 24 hours in each day, you had 25. What do you do with that extra daily hour? Hands down, read. I often, I read at the end of the night. Sometimes I fall asleep doing it. I'd read. What, um, what book are you currently reading? Oh my gosh. Oh, or- Actually, so I, I sometimes I'm reading two things simultaneously, sometimes some kind of self-help coaching related thing. So I just finished the first part of the Desire Map book and now nice. I'm in the workbook. Um, but I just finished reading Testaments, the follow up to The Handmaid's Tale, just a couple weeks ago. Nice. And it's a good one. It's a good one. And I started a new book and I can't remember the name of it, to be honest. I, I, read, I read about it. I heard about it on NPR, but I just can't remember the name right now. <laughs> but it hasn't hooked me yet. A novel. Ah, uh, there you go. Okay. So once it hooks you, I feel like you'll remember the name. Yeah. That's good. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for this like awesome conversation. Not only has it energized me, but I think, you know, the folks listening will Um, have some great takeaways from our conversation. Um, Where can folks find you um, on social media or online if they want to connect with you and learn more about you? Yeah, so every place, it's my name in different versions. So my full name, Sharice M. Williams. So C-H-A-R-I-S-S-E, M. Williams. So I'm Sharice M. Williams Yoga. There's underscore, oh, on Facebook. Sharice underscore M underscore Williams <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in the process. Oh, Sharice M. Williams is my website, which just has yoga stuff. So working on getting the coaching stuff online. But if Sharice M. Williams is all you remember, Google that and you'll find me. I love it. Well, thanks again, Sharice. It was um, great to chat with you. Thank you, Aubrey. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review, and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy, worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson, and I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty rad. Or you can send a good old fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babes.